available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. You know, June 21st, that's when you want to talk Pac-12 football, it's right, David? It's the 20th. Is it the 20th? Oh, yeah. Sorry. June Whatever. 20th. I'm just going to the future. Who cares? When's the first day of summer? Uh, is it the 22nd? That's like the solstice, right? That's like the longest day of the year. Or tomorrow's the longest day of the year, maybe. Tomorrow is the first day of summer. First day of summer? Come on. And then I When guess, is it ever the 22nd? That's like when it transitions over or whatever, the longest Jeez, day. Louise. My birthday is December 22nd, so I'm like the shortest day of the year or one of them. To, now it's like the longest day. So this is, which is a little depressing. This is as much sunlight as we're going to get that just gets darker and darker every day. Until December. Good God. Is that is that a morbid way to look at it? Wow. Well, we don't want a morbid way to look at this, especially this Pac-12 also, media Also, fall's a much better season anyway. Fall, especially in Southern California. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Summer sucks. Summer here is not that, <laughs> not that great. Well, I mean, it's a few like mild temperatures and stuff. Uh, overcast. Did you watch the U.S. Open, David? What? <laughs> the U.S. Open, man. L.A. Country no. Club. No. Yeah. Showcasing Southern California. Uh... Yeah, we got. I've been to that though. The U.S. Open or the LA Country Club? The LA Country Club. Oh. No, I've been to like PGA events there. Oh, nice. It's a lot of fun. I've never been. Yeah, recommend it. Uh, Riviera's cool, but I've not been to uh, LA Country Club. So, yeah. Uh, Anyway, yeah, we got a fun show for you today. Lots of little newsy things going around uh, in the Pac 12. Uh, If you have any questions or comments for the show, you can drop us an email, Pac 12 Podcast at gmail.com. You can also call or text us at 424-532-0678 and you can tweet us at Pac12Podcast. The website, of course, thing that I update, David never looks at, Pac12Podcast.com. Yeah, go over there. Check out all the old episodes. What's wrong with my camera today? What'd you do? Is there something wrong with your camera? Hold on. It's like looking down at me. Is it looking down? It feels like it. Like I'm looking at the feed on the video and I just, I look I don't know. Maybe it looks lower your seat a little. You want me to? I don't know. Jeez, ah, I don't know. I'm not no, sure. No, my seat's as low as it goes, buddy. Oh. I think you screwed this up. Yes, my whole setup I here you that you to just do walk one, in. I ask you to do one damn thing, and uh, suddenly, like everything. Suddenly, we're just you know we're off. It's crazy. Um, Good God. Hey, do you like listening to the show? You should subscribe to it. That's awesome. Yeah. If you have like the Apple Podcasting app. You can, they call it a uh, follow, but whatever, subscribe uh, to it, you know, make sure you're, you know, when that updates on your, your iPhone, boom, you see the podcast of champions when we do a new episode, but you should also leave us a five-star review and uh, you can trash us, whatever you want, whatever you say in that review, but that rating is important. The five stars is important. Do we have any new ones of those, David? We do. Oh, we oh do. good. All right. This is it's funny. Five- I ask people think that I know the answer. I definitely do not know the answer. This when is I a five-star review from Lil Tekka up next. David Woods, call me Ishmael. 
Some years ago, never mind, never mind how long precisely, having little or no money in my purse and nothing particularly to interest me on shore, I thought I would sail about a little and see the watery part of the world. It is a way I have of driving off the spleen and regulating the circulation. Whenever I find myself growing grim about the mouth, whenever it is a damp, drizzly November in my soul, whenever I find myself involuntarily pausing before coffin warehouses and bringing up the rear of every funeral I meet, and especially whenever my hypos get such an upper hand on me that it requires a strong moral principle to prevent me from deliberately stepping into the street and methodically knocking people's hats off, then I account it high time to get to sea as soon as I can. This is my substitute for pistol and ball. With a philosophical flourish, Cato throws himself upon his sword. Sword. I quietly take to the ship. Sword. Sword. Uh, there is nothing surprising in this. If they but knew it, almost all men in their degree, sometime or other, cherish very nearly the same feelings towards the ocean with me. There now is your insular city of the Manhattos, belted round by wharves as Indian isles by coral reefs. Commerce surrounds it with her surf. Right and left, the streets take you waterward. Its extreme downtown is the Battery, where that noble mole is washed by waves and cooled by breezes, which a few hours previous were out of sight of land. Look at the crowds of water, gazes there, water gazers there. Circumambulate the city of a dreamy Wait. Sabbath afternoon. How long is this one? Go from Corley... <laughs> Go from Corlier's Hook to Coenties Slip, and from thence to Whitehall northward. What do you see? Posted like silent sentinels all around the town, strand thousands upon thousands of mortal men fixed in ocean reveries, some leaning against the spiles, some seated upon the pierheads, some looking over the bulwarks of ships from China, some high aloft in the rigging, as if striving to get a still better seaward peep. But these are all landsmen of weeks, days spent, uh, pent up in lathe and plaster, tied to counters, nailed to benches, clinched to desks. How then is this? Are the green fields gone? What do they hear? Thank uh, you for that. Wow. That L was... Uh, lathe is a cool word. A little bit of Moby Dick for you. A little Moby Dick. I like lathe. Lathe <laughs> is just a cool word. We love it, don't we, folks? Never use it, but... Uh, I think that's it, actually. Oh, nice. That was a five-star one, right? That was a five-star review. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, well, if you were watching on YouTube, thanks for that. Just like watching David read and me making faces, because that was very... Uh, uh, it was a nice reading uh, Moby Dick passage, which is great. Moby uh, Dick, very underrated. Like, it's rated, but people think it's very boring. It's actually not very boring. It's very fun. No, I, I just read a... Moby um, Dick. Not that, I mean, it's C-related. Uh, Jaws came out, I think it was like 48 years ago or something, whatever it was, the anniversary. And someone, one of the movie Twitters, like, tweeted a whole thread on, like, how it was made and, like, all the actors they were trying to get and all the fighting and all the stuff, you know, the shark not working. And they, the shark doesn't come into the scene until, like, an hour and 20 minutes into the movie. Um, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I, the movie was better than the book. Uh, the book, they had some weird stuff in there and the, the, they just made some better stuff in the movie. The best thing being, uh, um, the, uh, the USS Indianapolis speech when, uh, was it Quint? Yeah. Quint like gives the story about, you know, them delivering the Hiroshima bomb and tor two torpedoes into our side and 1100 men went into the water, 300 and 25 came out or whatever it was like that's an awesome yeah speech i guess it was like a one pager then they read it to like a 10 pager and then they cut it down to like four and that's what they used in the movie uh it was really good so awesome um scott wants to know and if you are watching on youtube thank you very much we are broadcasting thank you brock live. No, brock's supporting me is brock saying that 
Look at Brock. Dave's camera seems higher. Okay. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll look at that. Alex says, so where did Ryan go on vacation last week causing no episode? Uh, I didn't. I went fishing on Friday, but that was like a day trip. Uh, David went on vacation. Yeah, so. I was in North Carolina. Beautiful, sunny North Carolina. Right. Where I, I always go there for my vacation. Yeah, so. who doesn't? Makes a, a lot of sense. But yep. if you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Please smash the like button and subscribe over there. There's a little bell. You can get notified when we go live. And if you have any questions for the show, you can put question in there, and I'll try to star that and uh, go forward. And I'll, I'll, you know, next time David talks, I'll like work on his camera a little bit. I don't know. I was just trying to help him out. Am I like centered here? I'll center me a little bit too. Um, yeah, fix yours first. Why wouldn't you? Well, it's really easy. I can do Good that. Job. I got to like move over here and get off camera and yeah, stuff. Here whatever. you can see. Look, does anything look different? Look at us. In this. We're both in the studio. Does something look different? I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, well, we should probably get rid of that while we're we're not on the screen. Um, David. Ryan. Did you have a good vacation? I had a great vacation. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, fun? Yeah. Right. You went fishing? I did go fishing. Yeah. Um, I caught a big, uh, couple big bonitos. Which were nice. I we made some fish catch, tacos. We love to catch bonitos. Uh, we're trying to get other stuff, but um, yeah, it's funny driving a boat and uh, trying to find fish in the ocean, which is big, is not super easy. Yeah, um, but but did okay job. Uh, we got to talk about a little Pac-12 media rights stuff. It's like coming to an end. Like we really are almost to the end of the countdown. Can I talk about something else first? Oh yeah, go ahead. What, what would you like to do? So uh, I wanted to address something okay. because um, here I'm going to put you on camera and I will look at fixing your camera. Sure, you do that. So uh, we have some friends in the Big Ten that are going to be our friends shortly. Uh, they're Minnesota fans, they're Nebraska fans, they're Iowa fans, and so on and so forth. Um, but here's the deal. Now the top of the Big. T- so I was trying to assess based on the schedule release a couple weeks ago. You know, how tough is it going to be for USC and UCLA? And I'll say, first year, it's going to be really tough for UCLA because they have to play both Ohio State and Michigan as well as USC in the first year of the Big Ten. But this is a big, important but. Uh, The Big Ten, the top end of it, very good, right? You got Ohio State, you got Michigan, you got Penn State, and then you've got really quality teams that kind of outplay their – recruiting rankings in uh, Wisconsin and Iowa pretty consistently, sort of like Utah's. There, there, there are a couple of Utah's. So that sucks. You got like a top five, and then you add USC to it. It's not, it's not going to be a ton of fun there at the top. The bottom half of the Big Ten is asshole. Like, it is dirty, rotten asshole. If you look at it, there are two programs that perform on average worse than Colorado, and they are Illinois and Rutgers. Purdue is ass. Indiana is ass. Maryland is ass. Northwestern is ass. And sorry to say it, Nebraska is ass. There are seven programs in that league that in the last 10 years are worse than ASU. They are ass. Okay. So, But they've also made massive financial... Um, yeah, Maryland just built a big-ass facility. And you know what the Maryland coach said right after that? Yeah, he said... Yeah, we should have spent that money on NIL. Because nobody gives a shit. They'd get dressed in a trash can for if we were paying them 25 but, grand a year. But like... Nebraska ass hiring Matt Rule. Like, uh-huh. okay. Like, I mean, that's like Arizona yeah, State's not who, hiring Matt they, Rule. Who'd they hire before that? The hottest group of five coach, Scott Frost? Right. And yeah. How'd home. that work out? I'm just saying. It's like, an ass program. Ass programs. There are seven ass programs in that league that okay. anybody can take advantage of. All that de- all that matters 
Yep. And this is what the friggin' uh, west side of the Big Ten has proven for years. It's who you play in that league. You're playing a nine-game schedule, right? Yes. So in some years, you're going to have to you know, bite the bullet, and you got to play two or three of the big four. And then in other years, you're just feasting on asshole. It sounds weird, but you're doing it. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to say to our Big Ten listeners, love you. Half of your league sucks. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, that's gonna that's gonna go well, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, yes. Anyway, they're gonna welcome us in with open arms. Way to go! Way to like you know. That's like you moving into the neighborhood and uh, look. This is a little preview. Instead pre- of like bringing a bottle a little, of wine, a little like, preview of our Big Ten podcast. <laughs> yes. Instead of bringing a bottle of wine to your neighbor, you just drop a bag of you know paper bag full of dung and light it on fire. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's that's what you did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say those schools though, that like, you know, Purdue makes big, you know, investments in coaching. Okay, This is where we're getting into your weird thing where money is the only thing that matters. It's not the only thing. No, but it's actually very far down the list in terms of like, you've got to have culture. You've got to have these things that are institutional investment in athletics beyond just where the media deal money comes in. But like a guy like Matt Rule has turned programs that were complete ass around, like a Temple and Baylor. Nebraska since – what's his face? Uh, Tom Osborne. Um, Bo Pelini was pretty good. He was fine, but nine wins a year, and they've said, no, fuck you to him because he was only winning nine games a year. The culture is bad. And until they fix that, it's not going to matter who they hire. They could hire uh, uh, Nick Saban tomorrow, and they're not going to win at the level of Alabama. Right, but they're going to turn things around. Like Nebraska's going to be good with Matt Rule. Like that's and just like Colorado, like okay, you get Carl Durrell, you're probably going to suck. Oh, you get you get Coach Prime, changes the whole landscape. So I think it's just the investment. Like you're giving yourself a much yeah, better I mean, chance to whenever, turn things around. Whenever you can hire a guy coming immediately off of a failed stint in the NFL, I think you just got to do it. He's right? turned around two crap programs in a hurry. So uh-huh. I would I would trust I would trust what uh, Rule is going to do there. Yeah, yeah, in Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we've never seen we've never seen NFL stink just rub off on a guy when he returns to college at all. Uh. I mean, Chip Kelly just got an extension, right? Yeah. Like he's that, that works. So, like that's proving. I think that's proven our point here. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's gonna walk into that one. Uh, yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, we want to talk about some of the uh, the media rights stuff that's been going on. Um, it's kind of weird, but it feels like things are happening um, in that world, right? <laughs> can, can we get a soundbite of that? It's kind of it weird, like, but it feels like things are feels happening. Like things are happening. It's not like breaking news. Uh, we have a buddy, you know, we have a bunch of friends. I, yeah, by the way, uh, if you uh, want to listen to the cover three podcast feed, if you, you know, if you run out of episodes of the podcast of champions, uh, but Elliot does a really nice job in his summer school. And you can go through if there's schools you're interested in the school that you like playing other teams. He talks to all the 24 seven sports publishers across the country. And he's done a lot of the PAC 12 teams already. To get a feel for what's going on, something you know, something like what we do when we try to get guys on and preview the season or talk about spring football and stuff like that, uh, it's pretty fun. Like he had Adam Munster Tiger on, and you know, talking about what's going on. He had uh, Chris Cartman on. I was listening to that a little bit, um, but I think he does a nice job talking about it. Our buddy Jason Shear, who covers Arizona, has sort of been—I um, don't know what to say—like the way he tweets about conference expansion and the big 12, a lot of people feel like 
he's sort of getting some information from the Big 12 side. Well, he posted something on his message board this week, David. I don't know if you saw, but it, it made it over to uscfootball.com, and I saw it on Twitter and stuff. Uh, he was saying, according to sources, that he was hearing the Pac-12 media rights deal was as low as $22.5 million per school, which would be significantly lower than like the 31 point whatever that the Big 12 is getting right now. People are accusing of being a troll and all this kind of stuff. Um, that would be, if a number like that does come out, um, no matter what the distribution is, if it's all linear, I don't care. I think that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. I kind of not buying this one. I don't know. Did you see that, Dave? And what, do you have any thoughts on it? Um, that seems low uh, from, but I, I'd believe pretty much anything at this point. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I consider any of this stuff potentially valid at this point because yeah. there's nothing, there's no thing coming out of the Pac-12. And yeah, at a certain level, oh, they could be running a really tight ship, you know? But or... have you followed this league? Uh, or there's just nothing. Um, and look, there's other data points we have that like... Um, they're not sharing stuff even when it would be beneficial to them to share it. Like yeah. they're not sharing stuff with a prospective member of the league. They're not sharing stuff. They're, <laughs> it seems as if whatever info is being shared is not consistent between the presidents of the league. Like yes. different different stuff is being, oh, we could have a deal by the end of this month. And that, I think that's been said like seven times since January. Yeah, uh, even by, December, I think. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, and it's just, I think. Um, you know, I, I think there's maybe some like soft, you know, off the record. Oh, yeah, we're feeling pretty optimistic that you buy depending on how gullible you are if you're a president. Um, I don't I mean, until something gets announced, I I, I don't consider it imminent. And then second, um, people could speculate all they want. I, I, I don't know Jason's sources. Maybe he has good ones. I, I just don't think if if we were close enough to a deal to have a number of 22 and a half, it, it, it'd be leaking in other ways right now. Um, so yeah. maybe that's something that's being talked about, but I, I have a hard time believing anything is close until like it's the pac 12. I, I have to imagine it's going to be leaked in about 30 different ways when it's somewhat imminent. Yeah. I, the only thing I could think of would be that that's sort of like the number right now. And the work is trying to, what can we do to raise that number? And that sort of was like what was given. It's like here's here's your here's your number, and then Klaukov's like that's not going to work. What can we do? And trying to work behind the scenes to kind of yeah, come but up with different but that stuff. feels like a conversation that should have happened in like October. Like I don't think now. I mean, <laughs> in theory, they've been negotiating for how long? Uh, with well, various it, yeah, like December at least. You know, yeah. And, I thought it was last summer. Didn't they start all this crap last summer? When did the – yeah, it's been, it's been a long time. Whatever. But, like, the, I mean, this is – the time is now to be – Well, I think once USC and UCLA announced, so it was last June, June, yeah, June 30th. June 30th. So. Then I think things went in sort of lockdown mode, like, okay, we have to figure yeah. out what – you know. But if you're still at the point where it's like, oh, we can do 22 and a half, and you're like, no, that's not so good. Well, <laughs> like, how are we still at that point right now? Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, it, it's it remains not good. And I get the like sort of, um, I guess you know sequence of what how they wanted this to go down, where you sort of get the media rights deal, you do the expansion, um, and then kind of go from there. But now that is sort of 
because this media rights deal has taken so long, we're getting kind of some overlap. And we've talked about the last, I think, month or so that San Diego State, uh, which was you know the top of the list as far as expansion candidates go from all reports we've seen, they had a deadline that I, up until like a month ago, I don't think any of us were aware of. Uh, when they leave to announce, a, you know, when they leave the Mountain West and uh, make a formal notice to the Mountain West that they're going to leave, it's based on like, uh, like I think it's like three times some of the revenue or something like that. Anyway, the number would be $17 million or $16.5 million for them to leave before June 30th. After that, once the calendar switches to July, that number doubles. So it's $34 million. And a lot of the you know talk out of San Diego State is well, they wouldn't be able to afford to do that. And then you'd have to wait. You wouldn't be able to leave in 2024 when it would make a lot of sense. Um, and so the weird thing that happened this this last week, I think Pete Thamel was the first to break it, um, that San Diego State, uh, this is really bizarre, uh, gave the Mountain West notice, so there was a series of letters that went back and forth, that the school intends to resign from the Mountain West Conference. Uh, they were also asking for a one-month extension. They were asking for payment plans for the uh, you know, exit fee. Um, and apparently the Mountain West took it as, okay, so you're, you're leaving. We're taking your like president or whatever off the board or the AD or whatever is off the board. Um, the, the payout, the $6 million payout you're supposed to get pretty soon. We'll hold that back for the exit fee. And the Mountain West is, I mean, uh, Sunny says like, no, 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 we're not this. We're just saying we're intending to leave. We just want an extension. There doesn't seem to be any reason for the Mountain West to grant that, uh, it's kind of a weird move that maybe this was something you could have done behind the scenes instead of like writing a letter. Um, and Thamel also said sources that the Mountain West Conference sent an additional letter uh, on Friday informing the school at this time they would not approve uh, any exceptions they requested last week. Additional month before departure, reduced exit fees or uh, the ability to pay out the exit fees and in installments. So the Mountain West, according to sources, are saying uh, no way. Um, so San Diego state sort of like, I don't know, they might've overplayed their hand a little bit. Uh, I don't see a scenario where the mountain West would just kick them out, but it's sort of like, they're saying, Hey, we're going to leave, but they don't really have a place to go. And you're like, I'm not renewing my lease, but you don't have your new house yet or your new apartment. And you're like, okay, well now what? So it's very interesting. I don't know. Maybe the, the PAC 12 can sign some kind of deal within the next, you know, 10 days before this, uh, deadline, but it's San Diego State could be a kind of out and there's no real reason for the Mountain West to play ball. Uh, but it was a very just kind of bizarre sort of happenings with, it just kind of makes you think like maybe the Pac-12 is close, getting that month extension, you know, maybe it's supposed to be something in the next couple of weeks. I don't know, but I, I wanted to get what your thoughts on what you make of all that. Cause it's a pretty bizarre so story. One, I think the, the, the subtext is pretty obvious, which is the Pac-12 is not sharing enough information with San Diego State for them to make a, 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 um, a a hard decision, a a firm decision. Uh, I I don't know what the efficacy of it. This felt very lawyerly to me. Um, mm. it felt like maybe trying to build a paper trail for the eventual um finagling that will have to be done via legal negotiations. Like, well, we asked for this because of this, and you know they said this, and this is in the public record, and you know, and then they can you know. Uh, or it can also mount some public pressure uh, in yes. theory. Like you can get San Diego State fans to, uh, and also maybe even, you know, because that's a uh, California State University, uh, maybe even get uh, 
government involved in some way. Mm. So I would think that there'd be a lot of reasons to do it publicly that might not make sense from a, you're not going to get this, so what are you doing? But right. maybe it's to drum up either that support or uh, force a public response from the Mountain West that might not um, be too good for them. So I don't know. We might not be seeing all of what they're trying to do, uh, but I think the the most important point for the Pac-12 is that uh, it doesn't they wouldn't be asking for that stupid thing if they thought that their media deal was going to be announced by the end of the month. Like, who was it who said that? Was it the Washington State guy? I get all these presidents confused. Yeah. They all say the same stupid shit all the time. Uh, <laughs> Kirk Schultz. I think it was him, yes. Um, who said it was going to be done by the end of the month. I mean, what month, really? Dan? Yeah. At, at the end of a month. At the end of a month, maybe. Yeah. Um, I think you've got, like, three options, right? It could be the end, the beginning, or the middle of a month. Mm. And, and like, it, you know, it's squishy. I think if you're after the 18th, you could like squint and say that's the end of the month. Uh, sure. So I think you've got a 12-day period at the end of every month. So there's like, uh, what is that, 144 days a year where he could be right? <laughs> it's um, like a clock. Yeah. So that's Stop good. clock. That's not bad. That's not bad odds. Is uh is 27 mid-20s or late 20s? 27. So I'm a, I'm a big believer in that being late 20s. Okay. Because I'm 37 and I like to think of myself as late 30s. Late 30s? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I think so 24, 25, 26 mid. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think I would go with I that. actually started hitting my buddy with when he turned 36 with uh you're, you're in your late 30s now. <laughs> you're you're closer to 40 than 30. Nice. Yeah. Uh I like that one. All right. Well, so we'll see. It's just a weird kind of uh move, but just the fact that that would happen something's going on. Like, I don't think this is going to last two more months. Maybe it does. I mean, it's a Pac-12. Who knows? But it feels like with the, with Sanders State sort of like, I just need a little more time, like that maybe there is something eminent. And at this point, is there – I don't know what the media rights deal would have to be to not – like, wouldn't you just want San Diego State anyway, no matter what? Um, the success they've had athletically in the revenue sports – um, the investment they've made. I, I'm not sure why you couldn't just say, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna offer a you know San Diego State to come in, no matter what. Like no matter what the media rights deal is, uh, why that couldn't be the case." So, I don't know. Yeah, I would think that was it. Uh, there's also some talk, and I, we didn't really mention this last time, but the ACC. You know, there was like a, a top half and a bottom half, like the haves and the have-nots. And they had like some little council meeting, you know, trying to get out of their like locked in grant of rights thing that goes till 2036 or whatever it is. But one of the things that came out of those meetings was um, instead of having an unequal revenue share of just like the television money, they would do it for, um, you know, like participation in postseason tournaments like the NCAA tournament, um, the you know college football playoff. So if you are a participant. It's not just all of the money that you would get and bonuses would be split equally. You would get um, a higher percentage. So if Clemson goes to the playoff, they would get a higher percentage of the money you get. And that, that money is going to be more significant as they expand the college football playoff. The uh, the revenue from units from the NCAA tournament could be very significant. Something the ACC was you know implementing, and apparently from the reports we've seen in the Pac-12, that's something that looks like will be part of this deal as well. So if Utah is able to, you win the Pac-12 again and make the college football playoff, uh, they would get you know a bigger portion of that money instead of just all of being split up. 
Um, and I think it was uh, Scott Barnes, the athletic director from Oregon State. Uh, I think he did it with the Oregonian. I, I apologize. I don't. I remember reading the story, but he was in favor of of doing that, um, having an uneven split. Basically, you're rewarding the programs that are making investments into their major sports. And if they have success in those sports, then uh, they'd get an uneven split of the revenue. And uh, he also, but he didn't want it to be where just the regular revenue coming in, like say the TV deal is 30 million, but we're going to give Oregon and Washington, you know, 35 and some of these other schools are going to get a little less. He felt that that would be an unequal split that way would weaken the conference overall, trying to help those teams. But he was definitely in favor of um, you know, an unequal revenue split when it comes to uh, postseason tournaments and things like that. But I, I felt it made sense, and I think that's something that would be smart uh, where you can reward teams that are having more success. Um, any thoughts on on that, David? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, I think in a, in a lot of the professional leagues, um, the success is its own success. Uh, where um, when you win more games, you make more money as a university or as a as a program or a or a franchise or whatever it is. Um, and then what actually happens in most leagues is that you are then penalized for that success because of the draft or whatever because of the yeah. way the draft works because of talent acquisition because most leagues recognize that um, you need to prop up the have nots uh, to make for competitive contests that people want to watch. Um, what's happening in college football is that there isn't that governor. So I'm actually, um, I'm kind of opposed to the idea generally. Um, I think in specific, I think for the PAC 12 prior to USC and UCLA's departure, maybe it would have made sense for survival's sake to do something unequal. Uh, but I think in, in large part, no, you need to have some sort of balance there. And if not, you actually need to hinge it the other way where more money goes to the schools that are sucking because, and, and it's not a, uh, people think of everything in, in, uh, in a very, st- I won't say stupid. I was going to say stupid, but I won't say stupid. You pretty much did. Say um, in a, in a not very thoughtful way okay. um, about, um, no, we need to get the money because our program needs to win, win, win. And it's like, there's not going to be a, a sport to win, win, win. If you just keep Xing out the programs that, aren't doing very well um you need those programs to play games that people want to watch if there's uh say like in a league that ucla and usc are going to there's like seven schools say that are just absolute dog shit i've heard Uh, i've heard someone say that before yeah just pure tomato cans um (laughs) then those are seven games that don't matter there's seven games that suck and they just suck in perpetuity now as i was saying you can't just prop those schools up with cash um they need you know program culture the whole thing but um, I don't think the answer is just continuing to make it unequal because, uh, like, say you did this, applied this to other leagues. Say you applied it to, well, applied to the ACC. Okay. Clemson makes the college football playoff. Clemson's already really goddamn good. Yep. What does more money do for Clemson? Well, I guess it gives them a chance to compete with Gives them a the chance? Alabama's. Uh, yeah, it gives them a chance to compete with Alabama. They beat twice in the college football playoff? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it separates them further from the league they're in, um, mm-hmm. makes those games matter even less. And how's the ACC doing? Like, do people like the ACC? Is it good quality football? Like, do people enjoy watching that fucking league? No, <laughs> they don't. Some people do, David. No, they don't. No, and that's a testament to their media deal and all that stuff. Um, 
But no, ACC football's a joke. The same way Pac-12 football's a joke. Um, We're a Pac-12 podcast, David. We love you. Don't get us wrong. <laughs> Jesus. Um, just but, trying to like... Who do you... Do you like anybody? You insult the ACC. You insult the Big Ten. You insult the Pac-12, which we cover. No, the Big Ten... Uh, the top level of the Big Ten is really tough. Okay. Uh, it's just... There's seven programs in there that are absolute ass. Yeah, but like... Okay, so Cal is like ass, right? Uh, you go to Memorial Stadium and it's like... There's not going to be that many people. Even if Nebraska's ass, you go... And Lincoln's pa- like. Look, I'm sorry that they're there's, full. The stadium's full. I, I'm gonna make the classic thing. I'm sorry there's nothing else to do there but watch a shitty team play football. <laughs> but that's not my problem. But there's there's different levels of support. Who for, cares? For a team that you what, call are you, what are you talking about? Who cares? Who cares how many people want to watch a bad team play football? Well, like if UCLA goes to Cal and like they stink, you're just like it's not that crazy you're like okay whatever there's yeah it's crazy that nebraska's bad it is but then crazy. you go to nebraska you play a, a similar ass team like you would say and it's a harder thing to do to travel that way and and have all these fans no screaming at you. no that's what i'm saying they are but it's not harder it, it's demonstrably not harder in recent times but if you're on the road it's a different environment it's harder to play with seventy-five thousand screaming fans as opposed to like they're screaming at their a, own team because their own team sucks. A bunch of people sitting on Tightwad Hill just, you know, no, chaining no. themselves to trees. There's, there's nothing more disconcerting in history than playing in old Stanford Stadium with 4,000 people in the stands and that a was. track around the field so that it's just silent on the field. Hmm. That would be disconcerting as hell. Loud crowds? That's normal. All right. Uh, and, and loud, polite crowds. Have you ever heard Nebraska crowds? They're, they're, they're polite. They're like cheering for your team. It's great. They're polite. Yeah. Well, they don't have a good program. Any other groups you want to insult while we're here? Like before? Well, you know? I guess uh, going back to it, my point is uh, for propping up all these, uh, the reason all the professional leagues do it is because yeah. it's better for the bottom line. They're not doing it at altruism. Uh, okay. It's better for the bottom line if you're doing this long term. Uh, now, everyone's a short term thinker, everyone's uh, got an in, in, uh, a stupid venture capitalist mindset, but it's better for the long term if you prop up everybody. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to talk about, because it's a big recruiting month, and by the way, um, if you are a fan of any of the Pac-12 schools, uh, go to the 24-7 site for the school that you like, and if you're not a subscriber, you can get 50% off an annual subscription right now, so it's a great deal going on, I think for a few more days, so go check it out, um, go you know, sign up there, so you love uh, Oregon State, go over to beaverblitz.com, sign up for a VIP membership, so you can do that across the board on all the 24-7 sports sites. But June is a big recruiting month. Um, you know, we now have official visitors and things going on. There's, I thought the recruiting rankings were kind of interesting. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts, David, because I know you cover uh, recruiting and stuff as well. Have you looked at them recently? Uh, for uh, Give me more context. You mean for like the overall the Pac-12. rankings? The, oh, the, the Pac-12. Pac-12? For the Pac-12. Um, I haven't in a minute. Okay. So don't look. Okay. I'm going to like, okay. Uh, I'm going to put up on the screen. Uh, where they are right now as of this morning. I took a screenshot. Okay. Who do you think is the top-rated class in the Pac-12? USC? Uh, No, Oregon Ducks. Okay. Yeah, so we'll do... uh... Oregon Ducks. All right, who do you think is the number two? USC. (gasps) Stanford Cardinal. What? They've been Uh, murdering the game. They've been good. Okay, so uh, Oregon has 16 commitments, uh, 11 four stars. Uh, Stanford is up there with 22 commitments. They've had they've been on a tear lately. They just picked up uh, 
Uh, Brown, the quarterback from uh, modern day, um, four-star quarterback. Uh, and uh, so, but 22 commitments there. So Troy, uh, is it Troy Taylor, right? Like, yeah, Troy yes. Taylor. Yes, they have hired a head coach. His Troy, name is Troy Taylor. Troy Taylor doing some work there, um, putting some life back into the Stanford program, which is uh, pretty cool. Uh, you mentioned USC, they're number three. USC Trojans. Uh, 11 commits, I think eight are uh, four stars. Um, so it's not a big numbers, but they've come on. I think eight of those commitments came in the past three weeks, so they've been pretty big on that. How about number four? Um, Arizona or Colorado? Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah, only eight commits, but four of them are four stars, so they're getting some quality players in there. And you mentioned number five. Arizona Wildcats. Wow! Uh, one four star, but they got um, thirteen commitments, so building up some momentum there for for Jed Fish. And then who would round out the uh, top six? Hmm. It's not a bit trash underneath that. Um, I won't quiz you the whole way, but we'll we'll ask you number six. Mm, I'm gonna go uh, UCLA, Arizona State Sun Devils. Damn, not even. <laughs> Not even a top half program anymore. Not yet. Uh, Arizona State, 11 commitments, uh, no far stars yet, but uh, building some momentum. Right now, it's early. The numbers aren't there. You mentioned uh, UCLA, number seven. Oh, UCLA okay. Bruins. Six commits, uh, one of them a four star. Um, number eight. Oregon State Beavers. Six commitments there. Uh, number nine. Utah Utes. Only four commits for the Utes. Uh, one of them is a four-star, so uh, not much there. Uh, number 10, we're getting really down there. California Golden Bears. Uh, five commitments. Uh, no four-stars or anything yet. Um, number 11. Washington State Cougars. Four commitments. <laughs> and then last, just kind of weird. Um, not kind of. Washington Huskies. <laughs> What's going on? One commitment. Yeah. So not a not ideal. But he's a four star. That's true. Four star. Um Pacifino. I listened to uh Chris Fetters on the um <clears throat> excuse me, on the summer school with uh, Bud Elliott and uh, a lot of detail like Chris likes to give. Um but just seems like, you know, offense is gonna be really good. They got one of the best receiving cores uh in the country, certainly the conference, and then Seems like there's a lot of uh, upside on the defense, too. So uh, front seven, I think a lot of guys are back, and there's a lot of promise there. They lost some dudes in the secondary, but, oh, man, Washington would be pretty good. Sometimes you talk to people, and they're like, ah, I'm like I think Washington's overrated. But uh seems like a lot of talent there, and they're going to have a really fun offense. So yeah, should be should be cool. Any, so any so what's the biggest surprise from the – Washington's definitely the biggest one, um, and then the other one is obviously Stanford at number two. Um They've obviously been recruiting a ton, um, yeah. and they had a visit weekend a couple weekends ago where a lot of this, even the recent commitments, are coming still from that weekend uh, where they just – I think they got six commits coming right out of the weekend. It was one of those just kind of big days that probably you know the four Stanford fans, when they get together, they're going to talk <laughs> about for years to come. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it seems like they're recruiting with a lot of energy. Like people are talking about Troy Taylor. They're talking about that staff. Yeah, and what they're what they're pitching to guys are was a lot of like kind of up tempo, like changing kind of the brand of Stanford. So we'll see if it works. Um, you know that the the academic cachet for Stanford is always going to be a prime driver for parents, especially, but some of these kids too. And if they can match that even a little bit even a little bit with not being an egregious piece of crap on the field, um, then, yeah, Stanford... The fact that Stanford was so bad for so long and then got so bad again is really... It shouldn't be like that because, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of schools with some good academics, but none of them compare to the reputation of Stanford. Sure. The draw that they have nationally with any kid with, you know, academic minded parents or who is academic minded himself, um, they should always be able to recruit pretty well. They should always be able to recruit um, certain positions very well. And end result is they should have a pretty good program. Yeah. Uh, John put in the chat, not really a question, but um, he seems really optimistic about the Pac-12. He says uh, there's no Pac media deal. And there will be no acceptable media deal. After all, the Pac-12 BS media deal hype dies. So will the Pac. Wow. Mm. Uh, doesn't maybe a big Big Twelve fan or something? I mean, I think there's going to be a deal. People want to see. You know, people are going to want to see Oregon football and Washington and Utah and all that. There's going to be a deal. How good is it going to be? Mm, we don't know. No. Um, one of the biggest storylines of the offseason and it's hard to not talk about Colorado David when we uh, do mm -hmm. a Pac-12 show with Coach Prime um, so as of now there are 10 scholarship players back on the roster for 2023 so that's 11.8% of the Buffalo's roster will have played in Boulder previously when they make their home debut September 9th against Nebraska they've added 50 players from the transfer portal and also 19 players from the high school ranks. So pretty big uh, shakeup uh, on the Colorado side. And, um, you know, there's been some, you know, Pat Narduzzi threw some some shade at, at Coach Prime, the way he's rebuilding the roster. You know, USC last year rebuilt it completely. Similar probably to what Arizona State's doing this year with Kenny Dillingham. But what, you know, uh, Deion Sanders is doing is completely different. It's like a whole nother world even though what USC did last year seemed like a whole nother world, this is now, you know, just another stratosphere. Uh, he was on with Joel Klatt, and uh, with the, one of the quotes he had was, they just want to take a shot at me. So he's talking to some of the coaches that were throwing shade his way. Uh, they just want to take a shot at me, and I'm good with that. Uh, they know what it is, uh, what it was at Colorado last year. This is their opportunity to take a shot, but they better shoot now because in a moment, you're not going to be able to to shoot. And he also said, I don't understand how you would think that the coaching staff is the only thing that deserved a change. Now, when you rid yourself of the entire coaching staff, you think you're going to keep all the kids. That doesn't make sense to me. And that just doesn't make sense uh, whatsoever. When the previous staff was responsible for securing those kids, that's not the way the game is played with us. So kind of defending what he was doing um, and saying, you know, if you want to chirp, chirp now, because uh, we come in again, is what he was saying. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, again, I, I, I've said this before. I don't hate the um, the idea of cutting a bunch of guys. It's the uh, the way it was done. I mean, according to some of these players, was you know 
a little bit. Just kind of the way you did it, you could, yeah, yeah, that's pretty hard. Just kind of being a dickhead. Um, and so you know, you can learn a guy's name and still cut him from your team. Um, (laughs) you know, that sort of stuff. So anyway, uh, but no, I don't, I don't think he really has much to defend. I mean, it's what, uh, what needed to be done. I mean, that program was really low on talent. They needed to, you know, cut ties to a lot of those guys. And also, you've got a culture of losing. You need to change that. So yeah. it was a historic change, but it was also a historically bad team. And it's probably one of the first historically bad teams that hired a coach who has the juice to actually turn over the roster like that in a single offseason. So, of course, he did it. Um, you know, it's the transfer portal era. And that team was one of the worst we've ever seen. And I wasn't kidding about that last year. It was truly that bad. Yeah. It's amazing that Cal lost to them um because cal's pretty bad um but not that bad um the other big story with Deion sanders okay is that he might have his left foot amputated yeah i saw about that because he had a couple toes yeah he had two toes amputated at some point due to poor circulation issues okay and now he might have the left foot amputated man at least that's Uh, being that's how it's being reported Uh, it feels a little sensationalist so i don't know but that's how it's being reported yeah uh, you could still run with like a prosthetic. I mean, um, I bet he could beat me in a race. I was going to say, like, he could probably still beat us both. I mean, without the prosthetic, he could probably beat me on a stump. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the fastest football players around, right? Yeah. Um, no, you could actually like attach like a, a brick to his foot and he could probably beat me in a race. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, hopefully, you know, his whatever medical issues, uh, they go smoothly. Um, and I'm really curious to see what this team is going to look like. Obviously, they come out uh, the gates with a crazy schedule. Um, you know, you're playing Nebraska, you're playing TCU, you're playing Oregon, playing USC. Like, man, that's just not an easy, uh, easy road out of there. So uh, we'll see how that ends up going. But uh, check out um, on the summer series, Adam Munster Tiger does a nice job kind of breaking down the roster, and uh, it's definitely different. I mean, it's hard to talk about a team when it's like, there's only 10 guys back because most of what you talk about when you talk about a team is like, oh, that guy was good. He's back. He's back. Right. And now it's all about like, well, this guy's coming in. This guy's coming in. It's, you know, he didn't play here, but he was a four-star guy or he played a whole bunch at this smaller school. And how will that translate to the Pac-12 and all that? So it, it's a lot harder to kind of preview this team. So just it's going to be get your popcorn ready and watch because it could be a lot of fun. Um you know, but outside of Shador Sanders, uh, from what Munster Tiger was saying, he's like, that's probably the biggest drop off is his quarterback. So they got to keep him healthy and then see how he makes that transition. Cause he, he had a lot of talent around him in a pretty bad, uh, FCS league in the SWAC. And so guys would be wide open. Can he do that, uh, at the PAC 12 level? Uh, we'll right. have to wait and see. All right. Well, I think that's uh, it for what I had. You want, well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and answer questions. So back in a minute. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, David, David Woods. We're back. We are back. Uh, We didn't get any voicemails Mm. this week. Um, So leave us a voicemail. The number is uh, 424-532-0678. I think we got a couple text messages. But I believe the first... Uh, email is from uh, uh, West West Texas Mike in Vegas, uh, Penix on Peacock. He said, during the podcast, I wrote, so you're going to have to pay up to see a little Penix, or he probably meant Penix, on uh, Peacock action. Because he was talking about the Washington um, Mm -hmm. Michigan Mm -hmm. State game being on Peacock. But I think YouTube thought something was a foul and blocked it. I got to admit, I hate Penix humor or Penix humor, but figured I'd say it since David, David had zoned out during that discussion. He tends to zone out during discussions. Yes, it's true. It's true. I have the attention span of a, of, uh, sorry. Of well, we can read your, we can read your email. We just couldn't read, uh, I guess YouTube didn't allow your comment. Uh, little Penix that. on Peacock. Yeah. It's a Peacock. Um, isn't that what a Penix is at the end of the day? A Peacock. It's <laughs> I don't want to go Took there. you a second. I don't want to go there. Okay. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, oh, boy. I All got right. another show later. <laughs> yeah, if you guys are really want more USC stuff at noon, we're doing another live show. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. All right, this is a text message. Hey, guys, long time. We have no idea who you are because you didn't sign this. Uh, I had a few questions. One, with UCLA and USC moving to the Big Ten, the consensus is that both programs will suffer and pick up extra losses per year. But with their natural slash unnatural advantages, what is the potential they could actually rise up and fulfill their potential and remain slash raise to an elite level like Michigan and Ohio State? What would it take for each program uh, to need? What would it take for each program? I'm just going to skip that to accomplish that. Um, Okay. I'm going to start here. Okay. Uh, Both programs will, in fact, suffer and pick up extra losses every year uh, because they have to travel. Uh, thousands of miles to the east. I'm I'm not gonna. I'll disagree with you there. over and over again. Uh, it's it's just facts. I mean, it's it's not disagreement. It's just facts. It's pure facts. You can disagree with facts. That's fine. It's not facts. Yeah, it's facts. We've never seen something it's like facts. this in college football. It's facts. It's facts only. Okay. It's gonna be losses. Lots more. Um, and by lots more, I mean like on average, like point two more per year uh, <laughs> over like a ten year time span. But it will be more. Um. Now, to to take advantage of um, the move, uh, I mean, I'll start speciously. Uh, they need to move their campuses about 2,000 miles to the east. Uh, but barring that, I, I like the idea of uh, building uh, some sort of facility that they could both share um, out in, like, Illinois or something, um, like, in the Chicagoland area. So no, that they could. If you've got, especially for like the other sports, um, for like basketball or for any of these sports that are going to be doing road trips versus just a single game, um, so they don't have to fly back and forth in between. Um, you could do remote learning and all that kind of stuff. I think yeah. that would help performance in other sports. I don't, I don't see it being realistic for football because 
you're probably not going to have back-to-back roadies that take you into Big Ten country. Right. Uh, but you might. Who knows? Um, but if you had, like, Northwestern and, like, Purdue and back-to-back road weeks and you could stay there for the week and uh, – I don't – so I, I – I, and I'm, I'm – I know I sound a little doom and gloom about the whole thing. I don't think you can fight no. geography at that level. Like, there's just a simple reality to this that you can hire the best coaches, you can upgrade those facilities, and you can go nil crazy. But the reality is, it's it's a toll for professional athletes to do the west to east multiple time zone trips. Like, that's a big haul, and you're asking, you know, a bunch of college kids to do it uh, four times a year. It's yeah. it's a lot. I think the charters will help and probably leaving a day earlier will help. You know, like I know that's been an, an issue. Um, even the USC NFL going to Notre teams, Dame. NFL teams leave on Mondays and there's still like a demonstrable decline in performance when they're traveling. I don't think they leave the on East. Monday. But, they, you know. they leave super friggin' early. I saw the Dolphins practicing at UCLA uh, for their game on a Sunday on a Wednesday. It okay. doesn't It doesn't demonstrably change performance if you get there like just a few days earlier. And we're talking about a single day. Yeah, like I, I, I'm just. I think people are hand waving that as if it's not a huge deal, and it really, really is. And not, I don't like. I'm a, I'm a humanist at heart, but I don't really care about how it's going to feel for the players. I'm talking about the wins and losses. Like it, it will affect performance. Like, yeah. oh yeah, it's it's hard on athletes. Okay, well, lots of this is hard on athletes, and it always has been. Like traveling to Oregon is hard on athletes. But this will actually change performance. Their sleep cycles are going to be weird. Like it's just, I think people uh, are discounting it. They're 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 just kind of discounting what the impact is going to be, wins and losses wise. Yeah, there's like kind of a built in, you know, some disadvantages built in when you travel, when the plane's longer, if there's a longer bus ride afterwards. This adding, you know, some of the trips aren't that much longer than going to the Pacific Northwest, but there's the time zone difference for sure. Like that's. And, you know, and that's, that's the part that messes people up. Like traveling up to Washington, it's just you're on a two-hour flight and then you're just away from home. Um, I think people actually are like talking about the flight itself, and I don't think that really matters. I mean, I think some of it is just being on the road. Um, and so that happens no matter where you're going on the road. There's a reason why UCLA's win percentage in the UCLA-USC rivalry is much worse at the Coliseum than it is at the Rose Bowl. Because it's a road atmosphere, because it's yeah. a change in your routine. When you add in like some of the body clock stuff, it just adds to that effect. Yeah. Um, so now on the other end, uh, UCLA and USC will get the advantage of those teams coming to LA. Yeah, it's just in aggregate, those teams only have to make one of those assy road trips a year, whereas UCLA and USC are going to have to make you know between four and five. Well, yeah. no, between three and four, depending on the year. Yeah, it goes on, right? Uh, yes, it goes on. Everything goes on. Um, <laughs> one of the schools you cover has a reputation for being generally good at football, by, but plagued by scandals. And the other has spurts of good times and has a cleaner reputation, but not as good as its rival. And can't stay out of its own way from an, administra- an administration standpoint. Which you'd rather have and does the negative ever overshadow, overshadow the positive for the each of you? Uh I mean, would you rather have? I mean, I'd just rather be the better program. Like, uh, um, yeah, I mean, from a from a business standpoint, I would rather be covering the USC football program <laughs> because uh, I, uh, uh, um, they're they're currently uh, riding high. Yeah, and know? even the scandals are like 
that for us business wise, it's better to cover. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so the, if you're squeaky clean and mediocre, yeah, the, nobody gives a crap. Yeah, I mean, our, our UCLA site does shockingly well given the 20 years that uh, UCLA has had, uh, but USC's doing pretty well right now. Um, so I guess uh, that being said, um, I mean, I attended one of these schools, like so. I yeah. mean, I've got a I've got a built-in bias that would probably prevent me from ever um, doing a. Uh, I won't say a good job, uh, but a fair and even-handed job uh, with the other. Um, you want to come work for me, David? Yeah, it'd be fun. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, but I think the uh, – the uh, the so from like a fan perspective um, – I could see you on the USC beat. That'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, from a fan perspective, like if I'm putting myself in the shoes of a fan covering one of these uh, – following one of these teams, I mean – if we're just if we're isolating to just football, I don't know why you would pick UCLA. Yeah, I can't think of a reason actually. All right. So, Let's anyway, if, if it's not like instilled in you from like a young age, I don't know why you would pick UCLA over USC. You're dragging this question out. Sorry. <laughs> Three regarding basketball. Is there any chance the international recruiting will become a circus like high school basketball is? Um. Yeah. I mean, there's a chance. Uh, so international recruiting. So the reason he's asking this is because UCLA has started to recruit um, internationally pretty heavily in the basketball arena because uh, recruiting AAU is basically just turned into um, how much money are you giving me in NL? It's like the first question. And then, uh, you know, you got to kiss their ass for like a year and a half before they'll even commit to your school, even if you're UCLA. So it ends up being kind of a pain in the butt. Uh, international has been a little bit easier on UCLA. Uh, but... Um, if more and more schools figure that out, then the circus will uh, come into town. Um, and it, you know, people are the same no matter where you go. Yeah. So uh, I think you'll you'll find some circusy, but it was good for Mick Cronin to figure that out um, and, and pivot a little bit. Uh, four, if international recruiting starts taking off or even now, do you see 247 bulking up its coverage? And how do you think that would impact your respective sites? I mean, I don't see them hiring a guy to be their international guy. Uh, maybe they'll pay some buddy who's currently covering it to like do a little extra for 247 yeah, I don't or think it change that much or fly out uh the experts for like one or two additional tournaments a year which would be a great job uh but cool. i don't think them like opening up base of international operations basketball i'm not gonna say it like doesn't move the needle but it's the same thing if you just think of uh, 247 as essentially the same sort of thing as one of these schools yeah basketball drives a little bit of revenue um, but it's not the driver football is. They're not going to be making huge business decisions based on basketball. Right. Um, five, at Dave, when TP retires, Tracy Pearson, are you going to take over bro? God, mm. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? TP's never going to retire. Tracy's going to be working at bro until he is 170 years old. Wow. He is an ageless um, paragon of virtue. <laughs> paragon of virtue. Nice. By the way, that was from Choney because he also sent another group of text messages wow, from okay. the same number uh number one of the second text message with the influx of a lot more money going into the usc and ucla and usc programs where do each of you think it should go and where do you two uh where do the two of you think it realistically will go are schools allowed to use that for nil directly or donate to collectives so on the second part no no they're not allowed to do that on yet. the first part i think they should de facto donate it to nil by um taking on so i think what ucla should do 
is all of the current things that are donor funded, you know, all whatever facilities, uh, interest payments on coach buyouts, whatever it is, uh, all of that should be taken up by the university with the media funds because so those donors can then put it into NIL. It's really hard for the schools to like tell donors to go do something else, but they got to do it. You're right. They have to do it. And that's what they should do. What they're going to do is not that. They're going to continue to inflate salaries. They're going to continue to spend on things inside the university, and they're continue to balance their budget rather than invest it in uh, NIL. And that goes for every school. I'm not just talking about UCLA and USC. But um, uh, there's just a lot of there's a lot of institutional mindset that prevents um, people from making the correct decision. And uh, what I'm really talking about is um, – the money should go to the players. It's not going to. Right. Um, it's going to go to things that are like in theory in support of the players, but it's not actually going to go to the players. Yeah, I think it's like I agree with David. You got to figure out ways for it, more of it to go to the players. I think a lot of it's going to go to travel and probably a lot of it trying to help mitigate any of the disadvantages you have of being uh, an Olympic sport and having to travel. Uh, that much. Um, I was at uh, an NIL event last night um, that like Lincoln Riley was at and Dane Blanton, who's USC's beach volleyball coach. They've won the last three national championships. The Big the Big Ten doesn't have beach volleyball. Uh, I think Nebraska is like starting a team and basically USC and UCLA have won every national championship since it became an NCAA sport. Um, and those two schools are basically going to be without a conference. I didn't seem like the Pac-12 would be welcoming them back to play the other Pac-12 programs. So what he was saying was like they're going to try to like USC, UCLA, and like Nebraska, and maybe get a couple other teams. And like you need at least I think it was five teams to form a conference. There's going to be weird stuff like that uh, that's probably going to need um, some you know some funds to to help. So. Uh, you have, two, you know, USC and UCLA, very successful beach volleyball programs. They're kind of going to be out on an island. They don't really have a, a conference to be in. So there's going to be expenses like that, trying to figure out what you need to do. Um, so I think travel and things like that. But I agree with David. Like, you got to figure out a way to kind of maybe ease some of the donor requirements and let that money go to players. Well, uh, uh, until the point where the schools can actually start paying the players, the which will is, happen, but it's not happening. They, they they very literally don't have an excuse because what you just said, the travel, right? Yeah, that stuff costs more. If you're not baking that into the money that you're getting, and if you're not saying, well, we're still going to have a huge surplus, we're still going to have a huge profit from doing this, then why are you doing it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of knock-on effects of uh, switching to a conference where the closest school is like 2,000 fucking miles away. <laughs> Uh, that needed to be baked into your analysis or else you were a dumbass for doing this. Um, so, you know, that, uh, yeah, that stuff's going to cost more. Charter flights are going to cost more. Building a facility in Chicago is going to cost more. Okay. So uh, there should be leftover money, right? Yeah. And with that leftover money, are you just going to give an extra $2 million to the same, uh, you know, staff that got you here? Or are you going to uh, invest it in... Um, the, the thing that's actually going to cause you some success and also be more equitable, which is giving it to players. Yeah. And just know that this is going to change. Um, at some point, schools are going to be able to be more directly involved. This is sort of like a temporary thing. Uh, this is my opinion, but 
Yeah, they're going to play players. And then one last thing uh, from Choney. Uh, you probably answered this already, but what games on the 2024-2025 schedules are you most excited about? So you must be talking about the USC and UCLA schedules? I think so. This seems very USC-UCLA-centric. Okay. Um, um, well, for UCLA, it's actually, um, I mean, none of the Big Ten dog shit. I'm actually most excited for at LSU. Okay. Yeah. Um. For SC, I would say, like, I would start with that, too. Um, let me pull up the... Yeah, aren't they playing LSU in Vegas that same they year? They play LSU in Vegas to start the season. So that 2024 is a crazy one for USC. They play Vegas, in Vegas, LSU. At home, they have Michigan, Notre Dame, Iowa, and Wisconsin. And then they go to Penn State on the road. So it's a pretty awesome schedule. Dude, UCLA. Are you ready for this? <laughs> yeah. UCLA has to go at LSU, at Iowa, at Michigan, and then gets Ohio State and USC at home. Crazy. Yeah. And then in addition to that, they're, they've got a Hawaiian road trip, but they got to go 3,000 miles the other way. That's a lot of travel. They've got six road games. Yeah. USC's first year is more home. They got some long road trips, but... You know the one, the Penn State one's tough. That's I mean, a hard one. To UCLA get to. is going to be one of the top like two worst scheduled in the country. It'll be pretty bad. And in 2025, um, I think they're going to Wisconsin, which I'd love to go check out Madison, jump around, and all that stuff. I'd love to see that. And uh, they go to Ohio State to the Horseshoe, which I've been there before. Um, and that was a great environment. Uh, I was on the field for that, like filming. Um, but that yeah, like 2009, like Matt Barkley's first game, I believe it was. But they they beat Ohio State that year, and that was that was pretty crazy. So those are some of the big ones. But for for me, the 2024 one, it looks really exciting, especially a lot of great home games. And um, yeah, and, and for 2025, it'll again go none of the uh, Big Ten shit. They get Georgia at home. Oh, so that'll be fun. Wow, Bowl okay, to open the season. But you uh, is UCLA playing Ohio State and Michigan? This yeah, twenty twenty four they play Ohio State and Michigan. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in twenty twenty five they go at Penn State um, and then don't get Ohio State or Michigan, so that'll be a light, okay, so slightly be... slightly easier schedule. But again, six road games that year. They go at UNLV and then they have five Big Ten conference road games. Okay, yeah, yeah. For USC because of the Notre Dame thing, they basically have every year. Uh, it's like a it's like a Big Ten one, right? So there's like five. Their easiest year is when they have UCLA and the Rose Bowl because that's like a road game, but no, it's not U that far. USC and UCLA are going to need to change drastically their scheduling practices. Now, USC doesn't have a ton of flexibility, but... Unless they want to drop Notre Dame or Notre Dame joins the Big Ten, that would they, help. They have to get Notre Dame to join or yeah. it needs to literally never be a good non-conference game outside of Notre Dame. Like yeah. It needs to be two patsies at home every single year. And yeah. for UCLA... Frankly, needs to be three at home every single year, and that's just how non-conference is going to have to be because just too many miles. Yeah, the travel, the travel is like it, that would definitely help if uh, Notre Dame joined the conference because then it would probably be a protected rival or however they're going to do the schedule, and then uh, it would you know you would have only four road games you know one year as opposed to um, you know five sometimes. So all right, this is from Anthony. Hi, Ryan and Dave. Yeah. What are your opinions? Okay. Thank you, Anthony. If a man is dating a woman with kids, is he wrong for going to her house with dinner for two, or is he obligated to feed her kids as well? This is quite the... Uh, so this this feels like an internet meme of some sort that we are probably out on, but... And we don't know. We'll probably say the exact wrong thing. 
Well, the obvious answer is he, he yes, he is wrong. Like if if she's got so all right, all right, all right, all right, all right hang on. Um, d- d- it's a date where uh, it, she like it, it, does she have somebody babysitting the kids, or are you just going over to hang out? If you're going over to hang out, you got to bring dinner for four. Yeah, right. How is this a question? So I think, yeah, yeah I've, I, unless it's like a late dinner and the kids are young and you're put, putting them to bed or something, or like you said, there's If a you're baby. dating a woman with two kids, you've got to be putting on your like dad pants if you're dating her, right? Like, because you've got to be like, I, I'm, I'm auditioning. You're probably bringing over like pizza for, for everybody. You're auditioning for a role. This isn't dating. Like you are, you are auditioning for a job. Yeah. You I need to show up like you're interviewing. The only way it would be is if it's like they're young kids and they go to bed early and she's putting them to bed and then we're going to have a, a romantic dinner like after the kids are in bed. Like that would be the only scenario I think where you'd ha- just have it for two. Um, it could be where you bring like. How late are you eating dinner? When are you eating dinner? What the know. hell are we talking about? I don't know. You can Nine bring o'clock? Over, like, Happy meals for like the kids and they're in the the living room like playing on their iPads and you have like a fancier dinner for your date like you could do something like that, um, but yeah I don't think you have the kids have to be involved unless they're like going to bed. Yeah, I would say this. Yeah, no, and you are. I mean, like, but that's also like I mean, you know, what you're getting into at that point. Like, you're not casually dating a woman with two kids, right? You're, I mean, it's you're probably a, better to be like get a babysitter and then take yeah take her out. you know that's a nice thing to do. Right. Why don't you uh, you throw down for a babysitter so you guys can go uh, go out? There you go. That that would be uh, that'd be a chivalrous thing to do. That's two single guys dating advice. So. Yeah. <laughs> Good God. Um, all right. This is from Ross. Pick me. Hey guys, if you had to pick one remaining Pac-12 school for your team to play on a yearly basis. Once they leave, who it would who would it be? With the understanding, you have to go to every away game and sit with the oppo- opponent's fans. So apparently we're not working the games. We would have to go and sit. Uh, so I guess we, we get the week off. We don't have to work. We just go sit with the fans. So Pac-12, where would I want to go most? Hmm. I think I'd want to consistently go to hmm, Boulder. I was thinking Boulder. Seattle? That stadium is just cool. Seattle would be cool because if I'm not working, I could sailgate. Yeah. Uh, Seattle might be a good one because then it's like a fun weekend too. I'd probably go Colorado or Washington. Yeah. I could do Tempe too. I could do like. Yeah, I'm not a desert rat like you are. Hang out in Mill Ave. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those are good ones. Um, anyone else that you would want to? No. Like would you want to do? I don't want to sit like. No, I, awesome. I, 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 I I love Oregon the program, Oregon the fan. Whew. Uh tough one. Tough one for the uh Stanford the game. tailgating would be freaking awesome though. Uh you could do Stanford, it'd be chill, like lots of parking, like yeah, amazing no, tailgating. T- tailgating at Stanford's fun, but there's you know like RJ hooks me up, man, with like a ama- yeah, like yeah. I love going there. Uh um, I'm gonna miss that probably the most. Not Cal. Nah, it's just so hard to get like you're driving through these you know, hilly streets to get to the stadium. And yeah. People chaining themselves to trees. I don't know. <laughs> they got the stupid cannon <laughs> and the niece operates. Oh, I would like tight white hill though. That would be kind of fun. Yeah. Okay. That's true. All right. All right. This is from coach B Colorado win total. Hey, my dudes, why is Colorado's over under at three and a half? It seems like all the national podcasts think five wins is successful. I'm not saying that is wrong, but it feels like we are judging this version of Colorado based on last year's performance, but they only have like 10 people left, including coaches from that team. 
Have Michigan State, USC, and uh, Florida State showed us that this is a bowl team? Lincoln Rally went from four to 11 wins. Why is it so wild to expect Prime goes from one to five? Coach B. Also, what's up with uh, San Diego State announcing they're leaving the big Mountain West? Does that mean anything for the Pac-12? Any chance we see them in the Big 12? Hmm. Um, okay, let's. there's a lot going on here. So for Colorado, um, I think for me, a big part of it is the schedule. The schedule is uh, really tough. The schedule is not easy. Um, and so, it's tough at the beginning. So you probably have some thin ranks at different position groups, and they might be beat up by the time you get to the easier part of the schedule. Yeah, and while I will say Colorado has overhauled its roster and made it a lot better, it is not a top-tier roster. No. Like, they've got some pieces that are really good. They've got some holes. They've got the the profile, if you just kind of looked at it, of a program that should go 7-5 uh, and five with a pretty good schedule, like with an easy schedule. Um, they should be a bowl team. With an easy schedule, they'd be a bowl team. Um, yeah. And no question about it, but... I don't see uh, a, a roster that's competing with the top tier of the Pac-12 this year uh, yeah. in any of those games. So if that's not the case, then they're in that morass of teams that should go anywhere from five and seven, four and eight to seven and five, eight and four. Uh, and we just you won't really know until a few of these things swing one way or the other. But going at TCU to start the season, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Nebraska coming to town, even though Nebraska is a dog shit program, like we talked about earlier, they still have talent. Um, I mean, and a they, really good coach, two and one in non conference, but then they're going to get they're going to lose to Oregon. They'll probably lose to USC at home, so that's two and three uh, at ASU. Uh, if you want to be generous, call that a win, but it's on the road. Um, yeah. So let's say that's a fifty fifty game. Stanford at home is a uh, a win, so that's. Let's say three and three with a 50 50. Uh, then at UCLA, that's a loss. That's three and four with a 50 50. Oregon State at home. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I'll call that 50 50 just because it's at home. I don't know about 50 50. Yeah, I don't know either. I think that might be a loss. So you're at three and six, right? Or is that three and five? Three and six with a couple 50 50s, you said. Yeah. So it's just, there's a lot here that. Um, I think I'd go over three and a half. Yeah, definitely over three and a half. I but mean, that's I think no four question. and eight's more likely than anything. Yeah, for, uh, but um, yeah, there's plenty of reason for them to uh, outperform three and a half. I think that's one of the best bets you can find right now. Nice. Um, and we already talked about like the Mountain West stuff. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, we have a couple YouTube questions. Sure. Uh, first up, Chris Grossman. Uh, how could the Pac-12 get a media deal when the companies bidding on it don't know what they will be getting? I mean, it doesn't take too much extrapolation to guess as to what they're getting. And also, uh, you should be able to get it in a few different forms, right? Like, okay, here, give us a proposal with all 10 schools. Give us a proposal with uh, San Diego State. Give us a proposal with San Diego State and SMU or whatever it is. And what do those look like? Yeah. Um, and then we can take it to them and make this work. Now... Maybe they're not willing to play ball at that level, but I can't see why they wouldn't. Like, I mean, they can lowball them and say, "Well, no, we're going to give you this." And uh, yeah. yeah, but um, that's what negotiations are. Like, it's just normal stuff. So I don't, I don't see why putting together like a scenario package would be that difficult for any of these potential buyers. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I can't see why this would be that difficult. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's arriving at the number they want is probably the most difficult part of this. Yeah, and it seems like they're trying to do it for ten. Like, here's what we have with our ten. Here's the deal, and then okay, what would it be with eleven or twelve or all that? So, and then we got one last one. Um, Philip Maz 
says, what non-USC-UCLA game are you most excited to attend this season? Uh, I mean, we probably won't be attending. We'll mostly be watching because we're covering. I won't be attending any games. Certainly not a uh, non-UCLA game. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed going to the Pac-12 championship game. Like, that's been fun. It was uh, Oregon, Utah two years ago I went. And uh, and then last year USC and Utah that was definitely fun, but like watching, um, I mean the Washington, Michigan State game is going to be good. Certainly the Florida, uh, Utah game, I want to see that. Um, Arizona Mississippi State baby, Arizona Mississippi State like all those big, out of conference, um, you know early out of conference games that we've talked about a bunch of times before. Looking forward to. Uh, to all of those, um, for sure. Does UCLA, UCLA doesn't have one this year, right? Not like a big one or anything? No. Uh, and then I think in conference, um, I mean, some of the major ones, like, you know, when Utah comes to SC, I mean, that, that, that you don't get involved in that one, but like that might be something for David. Uh, Oregon, Washington, I mean, Oregon State, Oregon again, um, you know, that'll be good. I mean, any Colorado game, you know, Colorado, Probably Colorado, Nebraska more than Colorado at TCU because I just think that'll not be pretty. But I think the Nebraska Colorado one with all the old rivalry stuff, I think it's more winnable. Um, that could be a really fun one, I think, to watch. Yeah, I agree. Any other ones you want to? No, I can't think of any. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Uh, yeah, thanks for everyone for uh, tuning in and listening to us on the uh, podcast. Of champions, uh, we are counting down to the uh, San Diego State deadline. So we got like ten days. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a media deal by the next time we record this, or not. Uh, we just don't know. But I think it'll be August August seventh. Really? Yeah. I'm thinking July. I'm thinking before Pac-12 Media Day. No. Pac-12 Media Day, Vegas. By the way, are you? Did you book your stuff? Uh yes. Okay, so you're going. Oh yeah, you told me where you're staying. Well, we'll put it at fifty fifty whether I'm going. But yes, oh, I've booked. But you it. book stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm booking. I think I'm booking it later today or something. But uh, yes, should be fun. I'm excited. Should be it's great. Should be great. All right. Uh, well, let's wrap it up for David. David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.